Thanks for listening to the Gray Ave Podcast, a show for driven young people with big goals. We meet inspiring people from around the world and learn from them, from entrepreneurship, health, travel, lifestyle, and more. We are also on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio. Rate and write us a review. You can also download each episode on www.grayjabesi.com. Enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, unicorns? My name is Gray, and I welcome you to another episode of the Gray Air Podcast. I'm recording this while sitting in a Korean restaurant in Seapoint, Cape Town, uh, while drinking ginseng tea. Uh, it really smells and tastes very well. And I'm planning my trip for the next two weeks, so I'm just sitting here with my laptop, checking flights and stuff. It's really awesome. And um, if you're listening to the podcast for the very first time, I say welcome. Um, uh, this podcast is really about growth and self-improvement. So I find very interesting people from all over the world and try to learn from them. Uh, typically, we usually talk about entrepreneurship, uh, lifestyle, and travel. I guess travel is, is part of lifestyle anyway. And health and uh, all sort of different subjects, but it all comes down to um, learning to become better versions of ourselves. Uh, so we can talk about careers, and uh, some people listen to it actually to improve their English-speaking abilities and listening abilities. Uh, this is something that I learned recently from my listeners that said, well, they listen to the podcast, to improve the English because the guests here are from different places so they have different accents so it's pretty interesting for English uh, learners anyway today is no exception our guest is Katio from Nebraska US and she has been traveling for a while she left home years ago and she hasn't been back because the traveling has been fun so she shares her stories and how she started and what made her travel, which is a whole different story and very interesting. Uh, and uh, about how she has managed to be on the road all this long, how she does, did she survive financially and all that. And she shares some uh, couchsurfing experiences, which she has had good ones, most of them, but she has had a few terrible ones and she shares the stories behind it and Kat started a YouTube channel where she shares her travel experiences and just put up videos to for other people to see what's actually happening wherever she's going and then they can have a look and learn about those places so I recommend you check it out and I'll put the link in the description so I hope you find this helpful and if you do remember to, uh, to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud and to share with your friends and leave me a five-star review and five-star review on uh, on iTunes. I will really appreciate it and possibly send you a personal message or email or something like that. And I hope you find this episode helpful. Uh, you can also check out other episodes similar to this one. Stay awesome and cheers. Uh, yeah, my name is Kat Theo. I'm from... Bellevue, Nebraska. It's like a little suburb out of the big city, Omaha. I'm not really 
from anywhere though because I was raised in a military family so we traveled around a lot but I went to university and high school in Nebraska so that's where I claim that's that's actually where my family is residing now at the moment I currently am living in Taiwan I actually left home when I was 19 to to travel to Spain just for three months and I absolutely fell in love with the country I fell in love with the culture I fell in love with traveling and three years later I haven't left I'm still traveling I plan to continue traveling I have no plans in sight to go back home anytime soon even to visit so I always try to encourage young people like me to just go for it travel see the world and follow their dreams right um so it just your name is is that your real name like cat um that is not my real name i don't really want people finding me on like <laughs> other outlets but those are my initials that's what i've got gone by my whole life um those this cat everyone calls me cat except my mom and my dad that's the only people that don't call me cat wow so you are you not a <laughs> no definitely not a fugitive <laughs> definitely not a fugitive <laughs> okay so why did you why don't you want to stay home um this is a really random story but i was actually i was 19 i just finished my associate's degree in pre-pharmacy and I was actually engaged to get married by, with my ex and I was 19. I was just had all this pressure of, you know, getting, maybe getting married soon and going about to start going to medical school. And I was going to be in medical school probably the next 10 years. And I was like, the time is now, if I want to just go see a country, the time is now. So I just left. I, booked a fly on that Friday. I left on the following Tuesday and here I am today, three years later. This is my fourth year. This is my fourth year away. So, you know, I, I didn't not like Nebraska. I just felt like at the time I had a lot of pressure on me and I just wanted to see the world. So I just left and the plan wasn't to stay this long. It was not the plan at all. It was just to go for a couple months and then come back. But you know, life doesn't always go as planned, does it? Nah. <laughs> right. So, what happened then with the what happened to the marriage engagement? Well, it didn't last because I never went back, so that wasn't gonna <laughs> work out. But now he's married to another girl. He has a family, and I'm sure he's very happy. So I wish him all the best. And I'm happy not being married and not having children at the moment. So, right, we're all happy. Well, I had no idea that that was the story. Yeah, I don't tell it so often, but <laughs> okay. Um, so, do you feel that? Well, did you ever consider, or even thought that that was kind of a escaping from something? Yeah, I felt like it was kind of. I've always wanted to travel. I've always wanted to leave my small town because I never felt like it was for me. But I guess this rushed marriage kind of really gave me that push. Like, wow, am I really going to be here the rest of my life in this little town just doing the same thing? 
you know, kind of, you know, because that's what you do in the U.S. You marry young, you get a house, you get a family, and then you just follow society, and that's that's about it. Like, it doesn't really, when you're in these small towns, at least. So I really kind of had a midlife crisis at 19, and <laughs> or like, let me do something. All right. So <laughs> how did you grow uh, well, how did you grow up in Nebraska and um my question I think is that how did you end up setting up for marriage at 19 was it like this kind of arranged marriages or Definitely not my my family is from North Carolina and New Jersey and my father is actually Jamaican background so we're not really from Nebraska, but the military brought us there. My mom was in the military and we were stationed there. And so that's how we got there. And when I was, I was in high school when we, when we like settled down there, I met a boy when I was in high school. I was 14 when we met at my job. I was working at the zoo and we were together five years. And after the five year mark, it's kind of like, okay, people start pressuring you like, okay, five years, like what else do you need to know about this person? It's either you continue on and take the next step or you break up. So kind of make a decision. So his decision was to make the next step. And I'm sure if I would have stayed, we would have been married, but I just, I just wasn't ready. And I don't regret any, any of it. I don't regret a single moment. Right. So where have you traveled since you left then? Ooh, I've been to I've been to about 20 countries now in the last three years, mostly around Europe because that's where I was living. Um, pretty much the, mostly the, the west part of Europe, the northern part of Africa. I do want to go down to Cape Town. So maybe if you're still there when I'm traveling down there, you could be my host. Yeah, sure. But... I haven't been so much of Asia yet because I just got here, but right. I am. That is coming, guys. In the future, I'm gonna travel around Asia. Right. So, um, what did you think of um, implications of coast and living? You know, where you're gonna? Did you have? Are you a millionaire? Am I a millionaire? Yeah. <laughs> definitely not. I'm 22. I'm definitely not a millionaire. Actually. Um, it's funny people think that though. I, people think when you travel, you have money, but that's not always the case. I, I, I definitely, the best way to travel as a young person cost effectively is to move to where you want to travel and then just work And on your, in your free time, you can just travel and it's so cheap because you're a lot closer. So for example, in Spain, when I was working there, I could get flights round trip for $40 for the U.S. So it might seem like, oh, you've been to Portugal. It's so that's so exotic. But it's like I spent forty bucks at Couchsurf, so that was free. Like the whole trip, maybe eighty bucks. You know, it's you definitely can do it with a very low budget if you use your resources and you're smart about it and you know how to do it. Right. So what are but like how do you sustain yourself though financially? Because for most people, I know that's the very big concern when they think of traveling, blah, blah, blah. They're like, oh, where am I going to support? How am I going to support myself? Yeah, you definitely have to get a job. So the easiest way for anybody that's from from the seven special passports, which is like English speaking countries, is to teach English. 
it's the easiest way because everyone in the world is kind of like the world's language. So they're always looking for English teachers. So teaching English is the number one job you can find abroad and you can get it anywhere, anywhere you want to go, anywhere. And I, I definitely recommend it for young people that are kind of in this time of their life. They don't really know what they want to do. They maybe have a degree that you can't really do much with, like a, I don't know, like a sociology degree or something. I definitely recommend teaching English because it does open open a lot of doors for you and let you really realize what you want to do in life. And you get to travel for really cheap, and that's the main thing I think a lot of people do it for. Right. Um, but what are other things that you can do there to um, earn money, for example? There's a lot of tour guides. You can, if you speak multiple languages, you can be a tour guide. Um, I know quite a few people that do that. If you want something a little bit more lax, I definitely recommend that because you don't have like a contract or anything. Also, there's a lot of people that work at hostels. If you work at a hostel, they give you free accommodation. A lot of places give you free food as well. So you just have to, you know, give a few hours a day cleaning and they'll give you accommodation food. Um, that's also really good. Another big one is digital nomads. If you have any type of skills where you can work on the road like a app developer or web developer or any type of online career, you can live anywhere and work. So, I mean, I wish I had some type of skill like that. That'd be great. Um, there's a lot of people that do bartending like that. You can be a flight attendant or work at the airport. I did that for a while. That was a really great experience. They just send you places for free. That's just amazing. Um, you can be an au pair. An au pair is a big one. An au pair is somebody that pretty much is like an in-house in nanny for children. So you get free accommodation, you get food, and they pay you, and you can work all over the world as an au pair. I have also done that and like it as well. You can also volunteer. There's a lot of, I mean, you're not really making money if you volunteer, but it's a really good experience, and that's how a lot of people do it. Um, I actually have a friend that studies, but the government pays him enough where he's actually making money studying in China. So you can find scholarships and find different programs where you're actually getting paid to study, which is great. So you're learning and kind of working. And a lot of things is freelancing. You can just, my friend does a basketball camp every summer just on his own. He goes to a park, a, a free public park, and he goes to the schools, the Chinese schools, and just asking parents if they want to have their kid enroll in an English basketball course for three weeks and he makes thousands of that thousands of that so you have to be creative if you don't want to teach English you definitely have to be creative and you have to speak another language definitely right so for most people as well they still the question of okay now I go to Spain today as a tourist on a tourist visa now, mm -hmm. if you want to get a job, how does that work? What's the process of changing your visa or like if you want to sign a contract or can you just st start working on your current visa or how does it work? No, you can't work on a tourist visa legally. The easiest way is to actually get a job before you enter the country. That way you don't have to worry about 
all of the other details. Most of the time, you have to go back to your home country anyway, so it's better just to do it while you're in your home country, and it's it's really easy, especially in Spain. Um, I, I honestly, I don't recommend doing what I did and just going in and kind of figuring it out on your own. You, you should really get a job before you leave the country because when you have to get your visa transferred, you need to go back to your home country and get like a background check, get that notarized. You need to get um, school stuff notarized. You need to get your degree notarized and you need to do that in your home country. So you, if you're going to save yourself a lot of money, if you just stay in your home country first, get all your documents and then go over to the country you want to live. Definitely. Right. So what in your, formula you said you just went and figured it out look what happened then so <laughs> i i personally just went because i didn't plan on working um so there are tons of groups on facebook facebook is going to be your best friend when finding information about visa processes and jobs and things like that so pretty much i just posted on facebook in this in this group of expats american expats in spain uh, like hey i'm here i want to work what are my options what can i do and they are so helpful and pretty much it's the same it's teaching english is the easiest and the fastest and way to get a job in, in a foreign country especially in spain so if you are just kind of spontaneous and find yourself in a country you don't want to leave, definitely reach out to sources like Facebook, YouTube, email people. There's tons of people on Instagram. There's tons and tons of blogs, tons of blogs as well. So I would say face Facebook is how I did it, how I started it. Right. And mm-hmm. and um, now uh, on all the 20 countries that you have been to what would you say is the highest moment like the your favorite place oh that's so hard (laughs) my favorite place man well i've only been to really europe in north africa so my options aren't so vast but i think the most unique place i've been in europe where i was like wow this is a really beautiful country was in prague and also in Croatia. And they're both very, you know, you don't hear so much about Croatia. You always hear about like London and Paris and Spain, but you never hear about Croatia really. And you don't really hear about Prague as much. And those places are so, so beautiful, incredible. Okay, and on all the places that you went and stayed, like Spain, Madrid, Mm -hmm. what was the decision behind it? Madrid, um, I was already in Madrid when I was traveling, so that was just where I flew into, and then I found a job as an au pair, and once I was in a job as an au pair, I was able to meet a lot of other people, a lot of other expats that were traveling in Spain that were giving me a lot of advice, telling me what to do, what I can do, and that's where I definitely started to figure out, you know, there's a lot better opportunities for me in Spain and I can stop preparing. But Madrid, Spain was mostly because I wanted that big city. I wanted to be by an international airport. I wanted to be somewhere that has a suburb, but has a nightlife, has transportation, has cheap vegan food. 
So, I mean, Madrid for me was a no-brainer, but I, I think, and I didn't speak Spanish, so I needed to be around expats. I needed to be around people in a big city that can speak English or at least a little bit. Right. Definitely. And then you have, you make YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. Why did you start mm-hmm. that? And, I and started it because I was... Just, sorry, just explain to, to the audience what it's all about. So my, the, the reason why I started YouTube was just to document my own experiences and to look back on it. I, I only did it for myself. I didn't do it for anyone else. And I wanted also my, my family to keep an eye on me because I know, you know, your mom, when you're going 16,000 miles away, they're, they're freaking out. You know, your family is freaking out. So I really wanted them to know I'm okay. I'm in a civilized place. You know, I'm not in a war zone. It's okay. But mostly I wanted to see myself grow and see all the changes and just see my life grow and as a person and as a expat and and that's really what I was trying to accomplish and I think that's what I am accomplishing as well as helping other people which is great as well. <laughs> right. Uh, so you have videos like top things I hate about Madrid, Spain. Yes. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You want to share that? Yeah, actually, those were <laughs> people. I always try to solicit what my viewers are interested in because originally I was like, I'm just going to post random videos of my life. But eventually I started getting a few, you know, a little bit of an audience. It's not nothing, you know, that big, but a little audience. People messaged me like, oh, what can you tell me about Madrid? What What advice can I tell you? Can you tell me? And I wanted people to know, like, Madrid is amazing. Spain is amazing. But there's definitely a lot of things that will drive you crazy. That being an expat in Madrid is not always peaches and sunshine and rainbows. Like, it can be very stressful and very tiresome. And, you know, I try to always give an honest opinion that, you know, every like a realistic opinion of that. It's not gonna be so perfect but it is beautiful and you should experience it but there are things that maybe are gonna bug you and you should know before you go right but then what are the things that are common in if you're if you're living in a, at a new place new city that are like the difficulties of living in a new city for example that that's not your hometown that's mm. I'm uh, like I'm looking for a general um, problem in all those cities not just one so we have this thing called the like the foreign learning curve it is when you first get to a foreign country and you're like in utopia you're like in the honeymoon phase everything's amazing everything's so beautiful everything's so fantastic and then about maybe a month in you start getting to it starts going down where things start really becoming you're very frustrated. Everything starts going down. Like you, you, you don't speak the language. People are rude. You can't find how to get to things. You don't. You know. You don't. You're alone. You don't have any friends. You don't like the food. You don't like the people. You you get to this point. Every, and everyone goes through it. Where everything just seems really, really bad. And the people that succeed in a foreign language or a foreign country are the ones that pass that. And that's when things start getting, becoming easier. You start learning the language. You start meeting people. You start 
fighting your way around the city. So the, the main problems are kind of the most obvious ones of just you're not able to speak the language. People are rude to you because you don't speak the language. You know, it's kind of like, I don't know how it is in um, Cape Town, but in the U.S. we're very like, you know, you're in our country. If you don't speak English, why are you here? Well, a lot of people think like that. So people are very rude to you when you're a foreigner and you don't speak their language. So I, that's, a, that's a big thing you're going to face as a foreigner when you first arrive is, you know, people are not as patient at you with you. People are not going to run up to you and try to help you with every problem you have. So you kind of have to, you know, put on your big boy pants and really try to figure out a situation that in your home country you never would have had to do. Or, you know, you ask your mom, you know, I always just, you just ask your parents usually, but you have to really figure things out on your own and you have to really be independent and learn how to figure things out on your own. I think that's mainly the the biggest problem is people face is just being alone and learning how to be an, be an adult, really, like be an adult because in the U.S. or in your home country, everything becomes so easy to you because you have the language and you have friends that can help you, you have family. I think that is the main thing that really gets to a lot of people abroad. So if you don't have friends, for example, in a new city, what do you do? Like uh, you're in Taiwan right now. Do you have friends yet? Yes, I've been here about six months now. So I'm already over the whole frustrated face. Um, But if you don't have friends when you first come, which is probably the most likely thing, definitely Couchsurfing will be your best friend meetup.com will be your best friend facebook will be your best friend and you just gotta remember you're not the only one you're not the only a person that just arrived to the country there's thousands of you so you have to find them you just have to find them and become best friends especially even locals a lot of people are very apprehensive to be friends with you but there's tons of people that are very curious about foreigners and they want to befriend you they want to practice their english they want to say they have a foreign friend so befriend these people befriend them all right Um, (laughs) and um just explain a little bit about your couch surfing experiences so couch surfing started for me because i was broke i was a broke student and i wanted to travel so i started it and um, my experiences have been overwhelmingly positive um, I know it, pe- some people kind of are put off to couchsurfing because you're meeting up with this complete stranger and I understand that um, but my honest honestly my experiences have been overwhelmingly positive people are so excited to share with you their culture to show you around their city to share time with you to to tell them story like tell you stories to listen to your stories listen to your life um so for me couchsurfing now is is a must when i travel It, it just makes my trip so much more local and so much more unique you know uh when you travel a lot things start countries and buildings and places start to kind of look the same it's the people that really make it special for you to show you like a local spot or a local place okay so anyways i'm rambling so my experiences have been really really good of course though i've had a few bad experiences and if you're gonna be a serial couch surfer like me 
it's inevitable that you're going to have a couple bad experiences because it's just like people, you know, not everyone you're going to like, not everyone is going to like you, you know, especially when you're working with people that are from all walks of life, different cultures, different personalities, different customs, you're going to, you're bound to meet somebody that you don't agree with or you don't like, or they don't like you. That's it's just, it's inevitable. Right. Um, but you have um, a video that talks about your best and kind of worst experiences. And you mentioned a few specific ones. Do you just want to share those with the audience? What has been like the best and one you would consider maybe not so good or different? Yeah, definitely. My, my best experience, there, I mean, I've had so many great hosts. It's incredible. Um, I mean, I think my best experience probably was my first host because um, I was pretty much stranded in Houston, Texas. This girl accepted my request, and then she she gave me a bad number. She wasn't answering. I don't I don't know. She just went in my age. She just I don't know what happened to her. So I was just on the street of Houston alone with my bags. And if anybody has been to Houston, downtown Houston is really not the place to be for like alone, where you don't know anybody with a bunch of stuff with you. So I was freaking out. I was going on couch surfing trying to find a new host and this guy just, you know, he saved me. He completely he drove down all the way to where I was, picked me up, you know, hosted me and he was the most amazing host, really. He showed me around the city. He he gave me my complete privacy. He was never inappropriate. He cooked. I cooked. We shared many experiences together. He actually later visited me um, in Nebraska. So that was definitely my, my first best experience because I, I really just didn't know what I was doing on Couchsurfing and I didn't know what to expect. So he really set the bar for me of how Couchsurfing is supposed to be. And ever since then, I've always tried to be a host like him, like someone that's tries just to go out of their way to be a really good host. I try to really be a really good host and as well as a good surfer, but it's it's harder I think to be a good host. Yeah, it is. And I so I can actually add to that it's quite hard, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because you know, so many people are different in what they want and so bad experiences. <laughs> I'm trying to pick the right one. I don't really know where <laughs> start right one. okay I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna give like a general one that i think couchsurfing has changed a lot ever since it has uh, the company they sold the company and now it's it's owned by a a company it, before it was just a guy it was his idea it was his dream but now it's owned by a company and i feel like ever since then it really has changed i think a lot of young people use it now for more of like a hookup like a easy hookup website and um a lot of people just assume that you're interested just because you request to stay with them and i, I mean it's just really funny to me that I, I was in i was actually in prague actually and i loved prague i just didn't like my host um he was a young guy college student and he pretty much ex expected me to hook up with him. And I was just like, no, I just refuse to mix those lines on couch surfing. I just think 
if if you're staying with somebody, it just is just awkward if you're like hooking up. I don't know, it's just not my thing. I mean, if you if you're an adult, do your thing. Like, I'm not trying to shame anybody, but that's just not for me. So, anyways, the guy was just like so shocked, so shocked that I wasn't interested, and he was like, "Oh, I've read on your profile that you're adventurous and you're like you love adrenaline and you are." always doing all these great things and I'm just like but how is hooking up with you an adventure that's not an adventure for me like, I don't see how that's an adventure please tell me where that's where that's an adventure so I mean that was probably my most disappointing experience because I was in this beautiful country and I just had this like horrible host and and it wasn't even like the one time I rejected him and he stopped it was just like constantly like constantly and I had to leave that person's house because I was just like, this guy is just, just isn't getting it, you know, just isn't. Like, maybe, maybe if you say it enough times, maybe I'll change my mind. And it's like, no, no, it doesn't work like that. Shit. And but, then, how long did you yeah. stay with him? <laughs> um, I stayed with him for about a day and a half, a day and a half before I was just like, yeah, I can't. And then, and then this guy was expecting me to buy all of his stuff stuff like just assuming i was gonna buy him alcohol and getting him gifts i was like cooking i don't know it just was not a good experience at all sounds too much for one and a half day <laughs> yeah yeah Crazy. try to give him the benefit of the doubt but that obviously yeah he ruined it for himself so then if that happens did you write a negative reference i i wrote a neutral one i wrote a neutral one because I, you know, and I don't know why we do this as women, but, you know, I, a part of me was just like, did I lead him on? Did I make him feel like I was interested? And, you know, I hate that we do that to ourselves because, you know, it doesn't matter. You, you shouldn't just be, you know, solicitating kisses or soliciting anything from somebody that's a, a, your guest. But I ended up leaving a neutral. And an another reason why is because they had back in the day, they had this system where. If someone leaves you a negative, they can leave you a negative. Like, if you leave someone else a negative, they can leave you a negative. So I was like, well, geez, I'm going to leave a negative, and he's going to leave me a negative, and then people aren't going to want to host me. But now they, they changed it, thank goodness. But before, you see someone leaves you a negative, and you can leave them a negative. And that's, that's just, you know, obviously, if someone leaves you a negative, you're gonna, they're going to leave you one. So, but I... Wow. But they changed that. They changed it. <laughs> yeah. How many times have this kind of events emerged in, in your experience? Um, maybe like, I would say out of 40 hosts, maybe like five, maybe five times, five or six. Wow. That's still a lot. But then have yeah. you ever wrote a negative reference at all? Yes, I have actually. Um, I have. Um, that was just a weird experience. But yeah, I, I left. I've only left one actually, because there was only one time where I really felt like, wow, this is like a horrible, horrible, horrible guy. The rest, I'm just kind of like, okay, you're just normal. You know, like a normal. I don't know how to say that. That's not appropriate. Just like a normal guy, with hormones or whatever. <laughs> Right. So, so what was that yeah. worst worst that you had to write the, the negative uh, reference for? Um, I was in Morocco and I was staying with this one guy who had his like 
house. It was like this giant bedroom and there was like 10 guys there just sleeping on the floor. And I thought, you know, couch surfing, you, you can't expect to have your own bedroom or your own bed, but you're, you're, you can at least expect to have your own space. So when I requested this guy, he told me I was going to be in a bed somewhere. And when I got there, I had to share a bed with him. And I was just like, you know, I didn't sign up for this. Like, I don't even know you. And there was like 10 guys. There was, know, there was just too many freaking people. It was just too many people. So <clears throat> he ended up kind of pushing me off to his friend who was at a different house and he had like his own place. So I was like, okay, cool. Like, that's better. You know, that's better. But when I get there, once again, there's there's no couch. There's only a bed. And this is in the middle of winter in Morocco. There's no heat and it's freezing. So there was no option to sleep on the floor. I would freeze. And I was just like, you know, it was just not good. It was just not good. So obviously somebody that's going to share a bed with someone, what are you thinking? It was like two in the morning and like I switched hosts because I was like, I don't want to be like sharing a bed with you. And now I'm sharing a bed with this other guy. So it was just, it was just horrible. So you can imagine the guy was like trying to make moves and I just was just like, you know, what? I'm just not trying to do this. So when I just kept rejecting him, he just, he like literally just kicked me out of his house. He would just like leave. And it was like wow. three in the morning in the middle of winter. I don't speak Arabic. Nobody speaks English. And I was just walking in the middle of nowhere in this like desert. It was, it was literally horrible. It was horrible, horrible. And uh, when I was in Morocco, I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a ticket. I was just kind of backpacking around, just kind of like enjoying life. So I, I booked a flight out of there right away. I was just like, I'm done. I had already been there for three weeks, so it was fine. But that was, and, and the thing is, that was so frustrating to me was this guy already had three negative reviews. So if I would have seen that, I would have never stayed with him. And it was the same thing. Girls saying like, Oh, he didn't have a couch. He didn't have anything. I had to share a bed. He was trying to touch me, blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, he, this was this guy's friend. So this other guy that I was staying with was like, oh, this is my friend. You can stay with him. He has his own place. So I was just trusting this other guy. So I, I didn't know if I should leave him a bad review too because he was kind of one that got me in the situation. But I didn't. I didn't. But I just left the, the one guy the bad review. Wow. So where exactly did you go at the at that time? Like in the morning at three, you said? Yeah, I, I found a taxi and I went to the bus station. And from the bus, I, I, I took the bus to the airport. And from there, I just bought a ticket and I was like, deuces. Shit, yeah, going back shit. to Spain. <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah, so crazy. I think the problem is still that people do not leave negative reviews. It's really hard for anyone, whether host or... Oh, guess I mean, I've had some, not terrible, but just a few experiences that I would want to write a negative review, but I just can't. Oh, so it just, I don't know. It's, it's yeah. hard. Yeah, so exactly. For most women, for example, they have a problem with traveling on their own because of so many problems that may, may occur on uh, during their tra traveling. How did right. you overcome mm -hmm. all that, like at 19 and just started going for it? Well, honestly, I didn't have any <clears throat> negative experiences in the beginning. It was all positive. So that really fueled me. That really fueled me to keep going. 
Um, I obviously, I try to look for women hosts to begin with, but they're not, there's not as many. I mean, women to male, it's probably one in 250. There's just, and then the ones you find, they don't host, they don't host, they don't reply. So it's just, I don't know, women really in Calcifer need to get it together. They need to get on the, the male's level because they, they reply, but I don't know, women just don't reply when they're hosting. I don't know why. Anyways, um... So it was my positive experience that kept me going. And then when I had my first negative experience, which I think I said in my my video on YouTube about Austin, which doesn't even compare to some of the other stuff, but I I really was like, you know, I can't let this one guy, this one experience affect the rest of couchsurfing and affect the rest of my trip and the rest of my traveling and the rest of, you know, my traveling career, whatever you want to call it. So I, I tried to think about the positive and negative. In every experience, I, I tried to adapt and try to learn from it. Like, um, for example, with the whole guy in Prague saying like, oh, I thought you were adventurous. You don't want to hook up with me, blah, blah, blah. You know, I posted, I put it in my profile. I was like, if you think, um, if you're looking for an adventurous girl to hook up with you, I'm not the one, you know. So it's just like anybody that's expecting that are hopefully going to see that and just, you know, pass my profile and just not accept me. So each experience I do try to adapt and try to learn. Um, when people quote my profile and it comes off like maybe not a way I want to, it to come off as, I change it. So That's clever. You know, yeah, just trying to always adapt and learn from each experience. So, I mean, because I always feel like the first time you do something wrong, it's kind of like shame on that person for getting, like, for doing something. But the second time is like, okay, shame on you for not learning from the first time. So I guess my advice to women is just, you know, ask a lot of questions when you are requesting. If you're traveling alone, if you're with a partner, it's usually fine. You usually have nothing to worry about. But if you're traveling alone, ask a lot of questions. Make sure you have separate accommodation. You're not sharing a bed. You know, just make sure you ask a lot of questions and make sure your profile is very neutral. Don't put pictures of you that is, you know, you partying and showing cleavage. Like, just do something very neutral. Like, you're in a park at a picnic or something. Maybe even far away pictures are okay. Like, you know, something very neutral is best, I feel like. Right. So... Mm -hmm. The maybe the last question would be um, if you you have videos about uh, hair is that a thing when you're traveling that you notice differences or like the reaction of people in the United States or other places that you have traveled you have been traveling to oh definitely definitely I mean ever since you ever as soon as you step foot away from your home country just expect to be like a celebrity almost um because your hair is i mean if you're african-american i mean you know caucasian women as too because they stand out as well but i know definitely being an african-american woman it, it speaks true to us more even more because we're even more exotic you know i feel like mm, the last three years of traveling you don't see so many black people traveling you don't see as many so we're definitely like a rare commodity and people are really intrigued really intrigued people want to touch your hair people always have questions people always taking pictures 
people want to be in pictures with you. And, but I feel almost, it's, it's never been negative though. People have always been very inspired or very interested in my hair, especially when it's out fro and all people are just like, wow, my God, I actually don't like leaving it in a fro because I feel like I get too much attention. And it's just, I just kind of like want to hide and walk down the street up in peace. But when it's in a fro, you know, it, it would just attract so many people. So, um, mostly old, old, older people, um, mostly, yeah, because younger people a little bit more, they've seen more foreigners, but, um, people are definitely very interested, and that, and you should definitely take that moment to educate, take that moment, and take advantage, educate people, let them know, like, about your hair, and, you know, if you're really nice, you can let them touch, depends on you, though. (laughs) And yeah, on one of the videos, I think you talked about you growing up in Nebraska, that it was a little different in terms of racism in a way, because I understand it's yeah. more like a very uh, pro, it's, it's a very wide community, something like that. Yes, definitely. It's predominantly white. Um, we were the black people in our neighborhood. Um, it's... I mean, I can talk about colorism for days in Nebraska. So I, I personally didn't experience, I felt like I didn't experience racism in my town except when it came to the black community, actually. Because um, being light-skinned, people always try to put you in these boxes like, oh, you're light-skinned, you think you're better than other people. And that was like a lot of the girls that are like, that. I don't know why we do that to each other. And then, and then the other thing was in the male black community, where in Omaha, that's in Nebraska, like, I would say 80%, I would say that confidently, 80% do not date black girls. They don't look at black girls. They don't want to be with a black girl. It's all about white girls. And um, being away, I've definitely learned to, you know, people like what they like, but I don't like how a lot of guys from my old town their their reasons just don't make any sense it doesn't make any sense but yeah they you know it was just like they don't like black girls because they're ghetto they don't like black girls because their hair is nappy they don't like black girls because they wear weaves you know they don't want you know just things that are just so ridiculous but you know but obviously you you leave you leave that type of environment and you learn that like you know, your hair is beautiful and people love it. You know, it's amazing. You don't have to feel like just because a certain group of people don't like your hair or they don't like the way you look or whatever, that you have to continue in this negative way of feeling about yourself. You can just leave that situation completely. So that's kind of what I did. And yeah, I mean, Nebraska has a lot of growing up to do, I feel like. And I, I just feel like it's a lot of self-hate as well, just being a, minor- a minority there. People just really self-hate and people just don't really know what to do. It's just kind of like you're surrounded by people that don't look like you and you just kind of... People find different ways to assimilate into society, but they just don't do it the right way, in my opinion. But right. anyways... But then, so what would you say has changed in terms of, in te- oh, okay, what would you have been doing now if you didn't travel uh, four years ago? Well, I'd still be in medical school for sure. Um, I was studying pharmacy, so I, w- I wanted to be a pharmacist. 
I would have definitely probably been married. <laughs> probably been married. Hopefully didn't wouldn't have any kids yet, but maybe. Um, I would have been doing the same thing. I would have been studying too much, working, saving up lots of money for I don't know what. And yeah, just being around the same people doing the same things. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And now what are you looking forward towards to? So you're not studying uh, anymore. So what are you trying to to achieve if, if there's anything like that? So after this year um, in Asia, they, they work a lot and they work a lot. I, I really learned a lot this year about myself and that I don't want to work for a company the rest of my life. I don't want to give all of my youth to a company. So I, I really decided this year I want to self-educate after I finish my contract in September and I want to start, I have some projects I have in mind that I want to start up. I want to become an entrepreneur. I want to do my own thing. And I mean, this, this, this adventure has really brought the entrepreneur out of me. It really did. So those are some projects in the work. So stay tuned for that. All right. Anything, anything you want to share yet? Anything I want to hear? You want to share yet in terms of that you just mentioned? Um, well, you know, I want to expand this whole veganism into the world. Um, I don't know if you know I'm vegan. Do you know, do you know that? Yeah, I don't know. I do, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I wanted to expand some some projects. You know, I don't want to give too much because I know things change a lot. So, um, but I would like to expand into the health and fitness you know, industry and I want to start my own, maybe my own little e-commerce and I want to be able to be financially free of like relying on a company to give me money. You know, I want to make my own on and travel the rest of my life. So that's really what I'm trying to do right now. After this year, I'm going to self-educate for about six months, learn how I can do that, you know, take some good courses, get some good mentors and I'm going to just go for it. I'm going to go for it. Sounds good. So we'll see. Uh, then lastly, what would you, uh, is there any books you can recommend or podcasts or YouTube channels for people that want to travel that they can check out? Um, well, I definitely recommend my channel, Cat Theo. That's going to be hopefully coming up with some lots and lots of more travel videos that I'm going to be coming out with. Um, and then there's a real, I really like this girl called Psycho Traveler. I love she, Psycho Traveler, yeah. Oh, you know her. Yeah. yeah. She has a lot of really great information out there. And she's, she like, I used to follow her videos to the T and was really looking up a lot of the stuff she was putting out in the world. And I really, really like her. Um, yeah, I try not to serial follow people but i really do recommend her i need to reach out to her actually maybe we can do like a collaboration right. or something yeah and, and podcasts not really i usually just listen to language podcasts so can't really recommend any there right do you speak any other languages at the moment yes um when i moved to spain i learned spanish out of necessity 
and now in Taiwan, they speak Chinese here, they speak Mandarin, so I'm learning Mandarin. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I can't say yet that I am a polygot, but definitely bilingual. I can say I'm bilingual now. Sounds good. All right. What about you? Do you speak another language? No, it's only English and Shishewa, which is my home language. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's Shichewa, it's a language. I'm originally from Malawi. I live in South Africa, though. But um, so I can speak the Malawian language. I can understand a little bit of Kosa, which is the local clicking language. Uh, maybe you might know it by that, the South African language. I can understand most of the words, but I can't speak. And I oh. can understand and speak a very little bit of Spanish. Oh, cool. But that's, that's just really like, good. it's Duolingo shit. You're just learning on an app. So, you know, I've never practiced very well. Yeah, Duolingo is, that's how I started Spanish. Yeah, Duolingo is what's up. Yeah. So, yeah, let, let's close the podcast for now. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. And just before you leave, the Graph Podcast comes out once every week. So the best way for you to stay in touch is to subscribe. And there are many ways to do that. You can find us on iTunes and subscribe from there. Or follow us on SoundCloud or Teacher Radio. Or you can also subscribe through my website, which is www.grayjabesi.com, which is G-R-E-Y-J-A-B-E-S-I. And go to join on the website. Then you'll find a box saying, put your email address. And after that, you'll be receiving an email for each episode that comes out. And for social media, we have Facebook. TGA Podcast is our Facebook page. You can like us and stay in touch there. You can also connect with me via Facebook. My name is Craig Jabesi, as you know. And on Instagram and Twitter, it's GrayJ265, which is G-R-E-Y-J-A-Y-265. Or you can just search my real name. You should be able to find me. Other than that, stay awesome and thanks for listening.